Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 276. Well, I'm still at the SEC match play here in Birmingham, Alabama. I hope that you have all been following along on social media. If not, there is still time to do so. Go check out SEC match play on Instagram, and you can always continue to follow the back of the range on social media as well. I hope that you all enjoyed Rusty Strawn's episode that released yesterday morning. If not, go check that one out. It's episode 275. And right about now, you might be wondering why I am releasing episodes on back-to-back days. Well, it's apparently Georgia Southern University week here at the back of the range. Yes, I know that I'm in Alabama, but these two episodes have something in common. Both guests are Georgia Southern guys. Rusty Strawn was all-conference there in the 80s, and my guest on this episode, well, he is continuing the legacy of Georgia Southern in grand fashion. My guest on this episode is Ben Carr. As many of you know, Ben made an incredible run at the U.S. Amateur this summer at Ridgewood before falling short in the final against Sam Bennett. But I said the same thing to Ben that I said to Ali Osborne and Austin Greaser when they lost in the final. If ever there is a time to be okay with getting second place, this is the time. Ben will play in next year's Masters Tournament and U.S. Open, but not before he completes one final season with his teammates at Georgia Southern. Great conversation, great episode. Really enjoy spending time with Ben. Let's jump right into this episode. Ben, welcome to the back of the range, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Ben. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm great. I'm just kind of, just like you, kind of getting the the fall college golf season uh, started, and, and it looks like every team it seems like I have run into is just coming out hot right out of the gates, and uh, you know, Georgia Southern is no exception to that. Uh, obviously, people are going to imagine we're going to be talking a little bit about the U.S. Amateur. We'll definitely do that. But um, you celebrated uh, the, this great run at the U.S. Amateur by getting COVID as soon as you got home. Is that really how it how you celebrated? Really, is that what you did? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so the week I got back from the M, uh, I didn't do a whole lot. I was kind of just resting and. Uh, wasn't playing any golf and as soon as I was ready to kind of start practicing again and uh, getting back into the swing of things with the team I, I started feeling pretty awful and uh, tested positive for COVID so for the majority of those two weeks leading into our fall season I wasn't able to do a whole lot but COVID, COVID knocked me on my butt pretty good and uh, moved past it after a few days and uh, got on the road with the team. I mean, of all the times for that to happen, because I'm guessing you just want to get into a normal routine. You want to, you know, you celebrated the U.S. Amateur run, and now let's put it in the rearview mirror and get to work. And now you're trapped with your own thoughts and really nothing you can do when you're in that situation. Um, well, glad you glad you got over that and you're, uh, you're moving forward. I saw that uh, you guys, like I said, got out of the gates really, really quickly. Uh, nice runner-up finish at the Notre Dame tournament, just one in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, George, we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia Southern. I, I have now. You were not the first person from Georgia Southern to be on this podcast, so I want to get things started off on the right foot here. I've had Stephen Fisk on the podcast. Um, you know, fantastic player, former Walker Cupper back in 2019. Talked to Brantley Baker um, this past summer after he won the Palmetto Amateur. I've asked both of these guys a very simple question. On your yardage book covers or on hats, or it is a Georgia Southern thing, G-A-T-A. I said, guys, what does that mean? And I know what it means, but I'm trying to get them to actually just say it. What, do, Guys, what does that mean? I'm going to put you I'll on the spot. It. I know you will, but I'm teeing you up perfectly here. Ben Carr, what does G-A-T-A stand for? It stands for get after their ass. Okay. It's, a, uh, it's a phrase that was coined by old legendary football coach here named Irk Russell. Um, very hard-nosed, tough coach, and uh, it's it's stuck. 
See now, now that's not that's a great story. Now what? Now what's up with Baker? You got to get him to come out of his shell a little. He's, he's young. He's young. That's his problem. He's a young guy. Yeah, he's 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 watching his watching his language because he's because he's a uh, underage. Oh, you you can swear no matter what age you are at. I, mean, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, I'll pass it along to him. Yeah, yeah. Just let him know to loosen up a little bit next time I see him. Um, so you grew up in Columbus, and I you're one of those guys in junior golf that had a lot of success. And I think he won, I think he won a high school championship just about every year and or high school state championship every single year. And you live in this area of the country where there are golf programs all around you. I mean, you know, Athens, Tuscaloosa, Tallahassee, Nashville, Knoxville. I mean, they're just, you're surrounded by these traditional D one golf programs. I'm sure they're all asking you to come over and take a visit there's a was there was a time when you were the number one ranked junior in the state of Georgia. So talk to me about how Georgia Southern came into the picture and if it was a difficult choice between maybe some of the other schools that are that are close by. Yeah, so um kind of early on in high school I started to play in front of a few coaches and take a few visits and uh actually grew up a huge NC State fan in Raleigh. Um, so they actually offered me, I think it was going into my junior year and I was, I was committed to NC state for, for about a year. Um, and I decided to reopen my recruitment really early in the fall of my senior year, kind of with the, I mean, I hadn't had a great summer, but I was still playing all right. And, uh, was still ranked fine and kind of figured that I would have, an opportunity to play at a lot of the schools that were recruiting me before NC State, and uh, that wasn't the case. Um, they didn't have a whole lot of roster spots available, and for a couple weeks there, it was really hard for me to accept accept that. And uh, I just I didn't really know what was going to happen, and I was actually uh, driving to the Bobby Chapman Invitational yeah. uh, from Columbus, and Coach Collins here at Georgia Southern called me, didn't answer. I didn't have the number. Um, I didn't know. I just saw it it was coming from Statesboro. I didn't even know Georgia Southern was here, so I didn't answer it. He left me a voicemail, and I was really, like, just impressed with the way he spoke and um, gave him a call back on that car ride, and we had a great, great conversation, and I came on a visit, and uh, the rest was history. I I loved the visit. I loved Coach. I loved it every teammate that I met and uh, I'm a fifth year here now. So I, I mean, it worked out really well. I, I'm guessing too, when you're, you're trying to determine where you want to play college golf, again, you're looking at the teammates, you're looking at the coach, you're looking at the facilities. Talk to me about just the, the college experience you've had at Statesboro. Cause again, like I said, not to, you know, it's, it's kind of comparing, obviously we're comparing it to bigger programs and ones that people are familiar with, you know, you know, Georgia, there's, there's all sorts of different things to do other than play golf at some of these bigger schools. Talk to me about Statesboro and how that's been such a good fit. Yeah, it's been a really good fit for me just cause I've, I've made so many relationships through golf here. Um, our golf program gets a ton of support around the community and, it's not. It's not support that you don't know where it's coming from. I mean, we. It's not we just get a, a check. To, it's not just a check, is what you're saying. Not just a check. It's it's more of like a genuine uh, want for for a relationship to be built, and um, that's just kind of how I was raised is is to show appreciation and and go from there. And uh, we, I mean, we're very close with a, a ton of our supporters around the community and all all, all over the state. Um, I think that's been the coolest thing for me is just just getting to know all these people that have that have helped me and my teammates kind of uh, get the get the platform we have and uh, have the chance to practice at such an awesome facility and uh, just just get better every day. I think a lot of that comes from uh, the support and the relationships that have been built. Now, do you have guys that get out there or, or ladies that get out there that that are supporters of the program, but they want to get out there and play with you as well? Yeah, for sure. And we've, we've played a ton of golf with a lot of our supporters and we have a, a lot of supporters that are good golfers. And even if they're not, we always have a big time. I mean, cause we have, uh, one, one big thing in common and that's just the love for the school. And, 
Um, there's just so many people that just care about the golf program and the athletic program and the school itself so much. And uh, just to be able to kind of share that with them and get out on the course and uh, just just get to know them a little better is, is really special. And it's a huge part of what we're doing in our program. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of humbling. I would imagine when you're, I mean, you guys know how good you are. You're, you're collegiate athletes and you know, you can pretty much go to just about any golf course in the country. I mean, this is just kind of a you know general statement, but at your skill level, there's really not any golf course in the country that you can't break par at. I mean, that's just a, that's a, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. And these people that are probably coming up and playing with you have zero, some of them have zero chance of ever doing that. And they, all they want to do is be around you and be around your teammates and see if a little bit of that luck can rub off on them. And they also feel that they want to, they're feeling a little bit of of a synergy where, all right, I can't shoot those scores, but I could be part of the team in some way. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing for a lot of our supporters is, uh, just just getting to know who they're following on Gostat and and know more than just our scoring average. Right. I mean, they want to they want to know like our personality and what we like to do. I mean, just just who we are as human beings, and that's far more important than um, being very good at golf or or having a great day or having a bad day. I mean, they don't really care. They just I think I think a lot of support just comes from just both both sides really enjoying each other's company and they just both of us want that to continue and it just we get more support from it and we're just so grateful for it yeah well you guys you guys are playing a hell of a schedule this uh this season so i know that i'll be bumping into you guys uh, at some point down the line this this season wanted to ask this random question here your full name is benjamin sackett Carr, and your younger brother's name is sackett um i've never seen that how did that happen? Uh, tell me about your, your younger brother. Well, I understand how, how your younger yeah. brother happened. That's that's more of a sex education. <laughs> All right, I'll edit that out. Anyway, um, but yeah, Sackett, where, where does the name Sackett come from? Yeah, so Sackett is my mom's maiden name, and um, it's it's been in my family for a long time. I have a lot of cousins named Sackett, and, uh, and my younger brother's named Sackett. So uh, yeah, he's... He is a stud. Um, he, we grew up super close, um, and we got to spend a year on the golf team together at our high school and win a state championship together, which was really cool. He was a great player in his own right. He ended up tearing his meniscus playing basketball. Actually, I'll be honest, he tore his meniscus getting out of bed. He doesn't want me to say that. Love it. Love it. You we know, think, all, we all... think it. We... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we think it came from basketball, but when he knew it happened, he was getting out of bed. So uh-huh. I know he's going to listen to this and he's going to be pretty embarrassed that that's out there now, but it's okay. Um, it's all right. Sackett. <laughs> listen, listen. And when you get older, when you get to be my age, there's a lot, you get a lot of those random injuries too, just getting out of bed or, you know, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It, it, it happens when you get older. So. <laughs> yeah. He's a great, great golfer, great basketball player, great athlete, great kid, uh, great student. He's at UGA now. Uh, he's in a fraternity ATO. He's having a great time, and I really like like to go visit him. And he comes down here. He caddies for me all the time during the summer. I know he was upset he didn't get to do it at the AM. He kept asking me, "Do you think we would have made it this far if I was caddied?" And I was like, "Dude, we would have won." <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, we um, would have won. Where were you? Where were you? Yeah, exactly. But he got to come up uh, that weekend and watch the uh, last two matches. So it was really cool to have him there. And, I mean, we're we're super close and uh, such a great kid. Yeah, so you're saying you think he's having a good time in a fraternity at the University of Georgia when they're the number one ranked football team in the country right now. You think he's having a good time. Okay. That's right. what he tells me. That's what he tells you. All right. Well, he's, <laughs> he's probably you know trying to build it up so you don't feel too bad for him or anything. Um, hey, so I know you're a baseball guy, and uh, as as am I, and I'm not, I don't want to go old guy on you here, but back in my day, you know, here in Florida, we, we didn't have the Florida Marlins. So my, yeah. most of my baseball games that I saw on TV were, were Braves games on TBS. So shout out to Ted Turner. Um, yeah. and, and luckily for some reason, I randomly picked Dale Murphy to be my favorite baseball player, but I'm getting sidetracked <laughs> here. Um, this is unrelated to anything golf, but Savannah bananas. 
Uh, yeah, actually, uh, what yeah, do you, go for it. What do you think of that? I think it's really cool. Um, it took me a while to like wrap my head around it because it's not your traditional baseball organization. But right. basically, to my knowledge, it's a um, it's just kind of a, a a team that has incorporated a lot of um, of my generation well really a younger generation than me kind of like the the social media trends and yeah the tiktok trends into their games i mean there's they're doing like tiktok dances in center field like before they step into the box they're they're doing some dance or they got I mean, they, they're batters so on stilts and the yeah and, stilts, the, yeah. and and really the umpire everyone's in on the act i mean it's basically just a performance but i was just curious what you thought of that yeah, there. I think it's awesome. I got so there's a couple guys that played at Southern that are playing for the Savannah Bananas now. Austin Thompson and Jason Swan, and they're two studs in college. And I mean, there's a lot of talent on that Savannah Bananas team, and I mean they they kill it. I mean they, they got a packed packed house every game, and uh, they they got a huge following on social media. I mean everybody loves it. Uh, I'm on their email uh, ticket list, and I get an email saying, "All right, we have tickets available." Then two hours later, "All right, we're sold out." I'm like, "Well, wait a minute, I need a little bit of time here." But uh, yeah, I got yeah, to go check, check out one of those games. So anyway, I know that's somewhat close to Statesboro, so I, I was curious. Uh, that's just across the state, but I don't know why that popped into my head. But yeah, um, I wonder if there's a way to get that with golf. That'd be interesting. I'm sure at some point. I mean, we got to live now. I mean, it's not far off. From at, at some point, we're, we're, everything's just going to jump the shark, and, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's just going to be like a TikTok tour. I mean, you can't putt until you do a dance. Yeah. I, I think we just <laughs> invented something. All right. <laughs> I'll, let me uh, get on the horn to the USGA. Let him, let, him, let, let me uh, run that past him. And Put a pat on it. Yeah, see if I ever get credentialed for anything ever again. Um, <laughs> so you had, you had a really nice season last year. Um, you know, you, you picked up a win in the fall at Bank of Tennessee, you know, a bunch of top 10, Shankel, Colladin, Gator, Stitch. I mean, you know, really good at conference stroke play. And then this summer, I guess, you know, fair to say kind of spotty. I mean, nice Southern, oh, yeah. Am, nice Southern Am, and then really nothing at the Northeast, nothing at the Western. Um, are you, it looks like you're pretty much a very steady player and really solid finishes that every once in a while, just, you know, a T67 just shows up out of nowhere and then you get right back on the horse. Um, what, what were you feeling going into the U.S. Amateur? Yeah. So it kind of started. Um, so after the hate in the spring or sorry, before the hate, I uh, had played really well all fall and, the first three or four tournaments in the spring. Um, I mean, it's, I was playing some of the best golf of my life, but honestly, I just didn't have much of an appreciation for it. And um, I just, I, I wanted a lot more and which is okay, but I, I, I didn't do it the right way. I started, I started tinkering and trying to change my mindset towards which, which changed my mindset towards the game. And I just always felt like, I needed to do something better. I need to change something to start winning more or whatever it was. But I think a lot of it had to do with, I wanted to make the Palmer cup so bad. And there was uh, a couple more tournaments left until the teams were announced. And so I go to the hate and not, I mean, I'm playing. Okay. I mean, I, if I could just kind of go out there and manage my game, I probably could have got a top 20 out of it or something. And, uh, just, just never really found it at the hate. I was, just doing a lot of tinkering in my game. And I think I finished like around 70th there and it just killed, killed my chances of playing the Palmer cup. And it only got worse from there. I mean, I righted the ship a little bit, but then in NCAAs, I struggled really bad and Northeast, I finished next to last. And, um, I went back to my old teacher, Tony Ruggiero. Um, and, I uh, just kind of went back to the basics and I think that allowed me to start playing some better golf. Kind of started at the Southern Am, and then I made it through USAM qualifying. Played okay at the Western, didn't play great on the final 36 holes. But heading into the Am, I really felt like I was kind of over the obsession with um, trying to be someone else, and and I just wanted to get the most out of my game. And I think that's what allowed me to play so well that week. I mean. I, I just, I don't know. It's funny watching the broadcast and some highlights. I mean, some of the commentators 
talk about my chipping or whatever it might be that they think is a weakness. And I mean, that would have like freaked me out hearing that six months ago, but now I'm just trying to get the most out of my way of doing things. And I, I think that's what's allowed me to make that run. So you're, I just want to backtrack a little bit. So you were putting pressure on yourself to make Palmer cup and were you, when you were tinkering, was it, I need to change, I need more length. I need to get my putting better. Uh, I'm not hitting, I'm not, my irons aren't dialed in. Like, was it just anything that, I mean, if you saw anything that didn't feel like it was perfect, you're trying to do something with it. Is that pretty much what you're doing? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it, it was like one bad shot and I'll just hit the panic button or one missed four footer. I mean, just not, it's just, I just figured that I figured out since then, that's just not, I'm just not having those thoughts when I'm playing my, my best golf. I mean, I did not play near perfect golf at the USM. Um, I just kind of managed my game and put, put, put a bad shot behind me really quickly and was able to hit a lot of good shots because of it. And, uh, yeah, I just think a lot of it came from uh, just trying to be too perfect. Uh, it wasn't anything in particular. I wasn't trying to make this huge change in my golf swing, my putting stroke, short game. It was just uh, just super hard on myself because I, I just, I don't know, it's just the way I, I think is I just wanted to change in that moment. I don't know why I was thinking that way, but it happened and it, it hurt me pretty bad. But I don't know if they am what have happened without it. Who, uh, who, oh, so you mentioned Tony Ruggiero, your coach, and obviously I'm guessing friends and family and even, even coach Collins, someone had to sit you down and get inside your head and say, you know, dude, it's there. You're going to hit some good shots. You're going to hit some bad shots, but there's no reason to, you know, go sideways on this. Who kind of got you, got in your head and got you turned around before, before USAM? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, coach Collins, my coach. Uh, I mean, I've, I've sat down with him this year probably eight, ten, eight to ten times talking about the same thing. I mean, just kind of what we just went over. Uh, and he just wanted to just help me kind of get on the course more and hit more shots and just have fun with it and play more like a kid because that's how I play when I'm playing my best golf. And I think that's fair to say for almost anyone is when they're out there just trying to hit shots and uh, just trying to have good speed and just, just kind of simplifying the game. I think that's how everybody kind of plays their best golf and, uh, he sat me down a few times, and I mean, I'm pretty stubborn, and he'll tell you the same thing. I, I, I was going to say, Ben, because like you know, you look so calm and controlled whenever I see you on the golf course, and now I'm hearing this, I'm like, wow, you're a mess. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I think everybody's got a little something in there that just eats at them. And for me, it was just the lack of confidence and wanting to change for so long. And um, he kind of talked me out of that, along with my mom and my brother. Uh, I, I, I mean. Uh, a lot of people might have heard this already, but I sat down after the Western, which was after I was starting to play better golf, and we were sitting there at my house in Columbus. I had just come off a 36-hole day at the Western where I shot like 76, 77 when I thought I was playing pretty decent uh, prior. And uh, I just kind of lost it for a night, like just was beating myself up pretty bad, and they just kind of pulled pull me out of the out of the dumps there. And... Um, kind of turned around my mindset so coach collins my mom and sackett are three people that were pretty vital to I mean, what happened a couple weeks ago for sure takes a takes a village um you you qualified for the u.s amateur this really obscure golf course that you've probably never seen i can barely remember <laughs> the name of it oh wait no it's your actual home course at statesboro so georgia <laughs> southern university a golf course is where you had your USAM qualifier. Both you and, and Brantley Baker, uh, the Mr. Vulgarity guy, happened to get in. Um, so is that even fair? I mean, like you're at your home course. I mean, of course it's fair. It is what it is. But um, I know you're there all the time. Let's let's give some publicity to some random person at the club. Who at that club would have given you the most shit if you didn't qualify at your home course? Oh, um, that's probably the most easy answer. That's the most easy question anyone's ever asked me. His name is Stephen Fisk. Oh, um, Fisk! <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, his. Uh, me and Stephen have a great relationship. He has kind of uh, mentored me for my time here at Southern, and we talk on the phone all the time. When he was here, we hung out all the time. I tried to just kind of cling on to him um, as much as I could and learn from him as much as possible which I think is really important for any young guy that comes into a program and has somebody that's uh, proven they can, they can do it at the highest level. And I, 
I chose to do that with Steven and um, yeah, he's, he's been a huge help to me for the last five, six years, but at the same time, he's really hard on me. And if I would have, <laughs> if I would have missed it, which I almost did at, at our home course, uh, it would have, he would have probably let me have a day to like, to, uh, get over it. And then he would have called me with like, a uh, what the hell happened? <laughs> like one of those. And he would have given me some grief and, uh, but we would have just laughed it off, but. Uh, he would have definitely been the first one to say something. Yeah, he. Uh, if I'm just glancing back, I mean, I, I, I had a really good idea of what he did in college, but if I mean, what he did at Georgia Southern, I mean, nine yeah. victories. I mean, yeah. first team All American. First, I mean, everything's first team. Everything's <laughs> everything's first team. Sun Belt. Yeah, sec- second all, team's not in his vocabulary. I mean, it's when you go look at that, it, and yeah. It's it's unreal, and then you know Walker Cup, obviously, and just uh, yeah. Well, that explains a lot. But see, it's also kind of a it, it's kind of like I'm looking at you, I'm looking at Fisk, I'm looking at Baker, look at some of the other guys. On the outside, you look really just stoic and and calm, and there's not a lot of flash and flair. But I, I guess now it really doesn't surprise me that Fisk would be just a complete ball buster and, and rip the hell out of you. So this, I think I'm starting to see like a common thread between Georgia Southern, just quiet on the outside, but just, you know, kind of assassins otherwise. Yeah, that's, uh, it's the least accurate for Steven and I, and, uh, my buddy Mason Williams, who's been having a hell of the last year or two. Um, I think all three of us, um, uh, not so much Brantley is stoic on the outside and inside. Um, but as far as me and Steven and Mason go, uh, we definitely all have like a huge chip on our shoulder and uh, we've all worked a lot on kind of the mindset we take to the golf course. So I think that's where a lot of the calmness looks on the outside. And there are times where we're very calm on the inside, but um, I'm, I, I think I can speak for all three of us. That's, I mean, what you see is not always what oh, yeah. what's happening. <laughs> I mean, just based off conversations we've all had together. I mean, obviously, we all get super frustrated, super down, super high. I mean, it's just part of the game. But uh, I think, especially for Mason and I, we learned a ton from Steven just how to how to carry yourself and how to kind of approach the game and and how to win. Really, I mean, you said it yourself. Like Steven's won. I mean, he won nine times in college. He won six times his senior year. Um, so, I mean, just listen to him kind of dissect uh, course management, how to play when you're in contention, how, how you don't have to do anything different once once you take the lead. Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, stuff, just simple things that you hear from somebody who's proven that they can do it, it means so much more than coming from someone else. Yeah. No, his uh, – his I got to gotta get back in touch with him. But, yeah, his career was, uh, was nuts. Um you, I guess, a lot of people know that you had uh, Will Wilcox on the bag for you th- during the week of the USAM. Um, you know, obviously played professionally for many years, and he actually has his own podcast now. So better give him a little plug. It's uh, called Tour Time, and it's on Apple Podcasts. He's just getting started with that. I'm sure you could have found just about anyone to caddy for you that week. Obviously, you're talking about Sackett, and you got teammates and coaches. But you, um, you, you have Will on the bag. What, what did Will? Um, bring to the table i mean clearly you guys did a great job you make it to the all the way to the end but i mean what what did he bring to the table that you know perhaps i mean perhaps someone wouldn't or you know what made him such an attractive uh uh, a choice as your caddy yeah so will and i are are good buddies um he we spent a lot of time in columbus together for a couple years right around covid and during covid um he had met a girl that was living in columbus so he came down for a couple of years and we played a ton of golf together and got pretty close through that. And uh, we stayed a lot in touch since he moved away from Columbus. And uh, when it was time to like find a caddy for the AM, I, I was, I was kind of striking out with people who uh, uh, have caddied me for me in the past, like Sackett or, or my coach. And they just weren't, they just weren't able to do it. And um, so I posted on Instagram, uh, like looking for a caddy for the AM uh, posted the location, all that, and uh, he's he swiped up on the story and said he was already going to be in New Jersey like the night before the practice round. He was going to a concert, and uh, once once he told me that, it was kind of a no brainer just because he brings. I mean, 
pretty much everything to the table you need. I mean, he's got a ton of experience on his own. He has caddy experience on the PGA Tour. He caddied for Russell Knox uh, down in Bermuda. They finished 12th. So just kind of knowing Will like I do and knowing his success in the game as a player and caddy, uh, it, it just kind of made it easy for me. And he, he couldn't have done a better job uh, that week. He kept me so calm. Um, he had all the right things to say, had all the right information. Uh, he did. He did an awesome job. All right, so that's an excellent answer to that question to make Will feel very good about himself. But I'm also sure, just by spending a little bit of time with him at uh, at the hotel, uh, yeah, random random uh, piece of trivia. We stayed at the exact same hotel, and for some reason, we're on the same floor. So I'm not sure how we didn't bump into <laughs> each other more at that Marriott. But um, but yeah, very well said. But there had to have been some funny moments that kind of eased the tension of actually being in the U.S. Amateur with with him on the bag because i would just imagine there had to be so many inside jokes or embarrassing moments throughout the entire week there's probably way too many yeah there's one that pops into my head Love first it. Love um it. so we're both big tiger fans and uh obviously tigers won the am three times the u.s junior three times all back to back yep and uh we started to kind of make make a run and match play and we just kept getting further and further into it and uh kind of at the start of match play it was just like uh we would always make the comment to each other like isn't it so crazy how tiger won six six usga events in a row and it was kind of just like a thing at first that we would just keep talking about it because we just couldn't get over it i mean no one ever can it's insane feat but uh eventually like later in match play kind of started to move into like uh I would say, like, did you know Tiger won a USAM? And Willie would be like, wait, what? Tiger won, Tiger won USAM? And it just became this inside joke. And, sure. like, by the end of the week, it was like, we just kind of were joking with each other. That we didn't know that Tiger had won USGA events. And I'm not explaining it very well, but it, it was just something that kept us both very loose, just being able to kind of joke with each other like that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't even say on here, and I won't. But, I mean... <laughs> That guy, that guy can reel off some one-liners, and uh, he had a bundle ready uh, for that week. And I mean, anytime, I mean, at least in my opinion, I think he'll probably tell you the same. Anytime he could tell I was either like running hot or nervous or down or anything uncomfortable, uh, he would just reel one off, and I'd be right back to earth. Yeah, no, you explained that well. I th- I can picture you too, just saying, you know, like him asking you about Tiger. And you're like, I'm not familiar <laughs> with who that is. Can you? Is yeah, that, exactly. Is that, his, is that his nickname or is that his first? Like, <laughs> I, I I'm not aware of that. No, that's that. Well, that it seemed like that was the vibe, just by just seeing how you two were kind of going about things. He just seemed super calm the entire time out there. So you go in and, you know, obviously people followed the, the USAM, but, you know, 72-72 to finish a plus three, you're right in the middle of the pack. And actually both you and, and Sam Bennett get very similar seeds. You were the 34, he was a 36. And, you know, I'm looking at the brackets and, and you know, Sam Bennett's side of the draw was really crazy. Uh, he had, there yeah. had a lot of names that he went through, in fact, the average world amateur golf ranking of Sam's six opponents, including you, was 19. Wow. And then, you know, some of the guys you defeated, you know, Jake Holbrook from Oklahoma, Andrew Von Lasso, who knocked out uh, Thorbjornson in the round of 64, Nathan Franks from South Carolina, Alex Price from D3, Christopher Newport, and then uh, Hitchner in, from Pepperdine in the semifinal. Um, the more I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot of marquee names on Bennett's side of the draw, but you're having to face a lot of guys that are kind of in the same category of maybe they didn't expect to get this far. They're playing with complete lack of fear and no expectations and just letting it all, basically just letting it all hang out. Did you kind of get a sense that the matches you were playing, not just yourself, but your opponent, we're just like, hey, we're playing with house money. Is that kind of the vibe you got in these matches? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so I remember watching the broadcast after I had after I had won the round of sixty four match. I had an early tee time, and there were still a bunch of guys out on the course when I got back to the hotel. So I was able to watch some of it, and uh, I, I didn't look at the bracket all week. But Sackett told me 
uh, that I was playing the winner of Thor Bjornsson and Ben Lasso. And uh, I didn't know much about Ben Lasso. So I figured I'd probably see Thor Bjornsson the next round. I mean, anything can happen in match play, but Thor Bjornsson's insanely great player. And yeah. uh, I just I thought I'd be seeing him the next morning and um, watch the end of that match. Ben Lasso, you uh, just took that match from Thorne Bjorkson. He played awesome golf, made a ton of putts, hit some clutch shots. And uh, I got to watch him play some on the broadcast. And uh, he, he dressed very loudly. Oh, yeah. And I met him. And I was like, this is going to be fun. I like I like how this guy kind of uh, goes about his stuff. And we had an awesome match that next day. We got along great. He came to watch my match in the afternoon, uh, cheer me on. We I think we're going to – I think we built a decent relationship just off that day alone. And then the next match, uh, Nathan Frank, South Carolina, um, he was playing really well that week. I learned that pretty early. The first three or four holes, I don't think he missed a shot. And I remember <laughs> Wilcox turned to me and saying, like, is this kid going to miss the center of the flag? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I mean, I need to step it up here. And uh, was able to play a little better the rest of that match. And, and we played a great match. I think we are probably both under par. On, that's tough to do on Ridgewood. And uh, uh, quarters, Alex Price, uh, absolute grinder. Guy plays Division Three golf and uh, at Christian Newport University and was just running through guys. I mean, he beat Castillo. No, the day I was just going to say he beat he beat Castillo three and two. I mean, the whole bracket was just yeah. a complete. I mean, the whole bracket it was, was awesome. a shit show. I mean, it was, it was just awesome. It's yeah. just chaos. Oh, I know. And uh, so that was another good match. That match went to seventeen, and we had a great time out there. Just. I remember walking up two or three fairway with him, and uh, we were just talking about how cool it is that he's he's playing D three and he's just making this awesome run. And uh, it was just really cool to to just play a couple of those matches against some guys that just appreciated how cool it was versus a lot of these guys that kind of expect to yeah. make these uh, runs uh, and and yeah. would never make a comment about how cool being being this far in the tournament is. I mean, I don't really spend a lot of time around people like that. Okay, so well, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page because I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to say that you know you're, oh, no, no, no. yeah I wasn't trying to say you're in the B flight with a bunch of dreamers. I was just <laughs> no, part, no, no, but, but you're play, but I'm no, that's just how this is what happens. Yeah, right, I mean, there's a lot of upsets. Yeah, but also you're with guys that, and here's here's what I'm kind of also getting at. I think that the golf was probably better because it wasn't like oh well I'm such and such and i if i don't win this round that i'm gonna be i mean there was no expectation yeah. so you can free it up and say hey let's just let it hang out and see what happens yeah exactly so really to answer your question i it was it was cool to i mean have have that draw and play the guys i did i mean because we both every match had an appreciation for how cool it is i mean one just to make match play a usj event i mean i'm not going to sit here and act like that's a given and a lot of people will um, and it's a toughest cut to make, maybe outside of the Western cut um, and, and amateur golf. So just to be in match play is cool and it's in itself. And then to, to be able to play a bunch of guys that thought that same thing. And uh, I mean, I'm, I don't want you to think me or any of those guys took it for granted because we, I mean, I, I can speak for them and we all wanted to just win every match and make this run. And, uh, but it was cool to, it was cool to have the draw I did and play everybody I did because we all got along very well and um, probably going to stay in touch with a lot of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Van Lasso uh, advanced. So he's from Spokane, Spokane, Washington, and he advanced through the playoff. I was out there uh, that morning, Wednesday morning for the playoff. That guy basically, <laughs> that guy just took a ball, threw it on the ground on 15, the par three, and hit, <laughs> and hit a shot faster than – I mean, faster than anything you could possibly imagine. I mean, this guy was the coolest. And by the way, that was a long day for him. Most of it was spent in the bar, not so much on the golf course. Um, <laughs> I heard about that. He was there till about 7 o'clock at night on Wednesday. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard he, he had a good, I heard he had a big time before he played Thorne Bjornsson and then took him down. Uh, I didn't know about that, but I, <laughs> that's, that's the story that was going around, which is so awesome. Oh, he, oh, so he, he kind of sell, wait a minute. So he celebrated getting into the playoff. I see. I don't know if it was a celebration. I think he just, 
I think he just likes to have a good time. He's just a really cool dude. And uh, he, I think it probably relaxed him. And um, I'd love to ask him more about it because, I mean, what a legendary move. I gotta, I'll gotta. i have to track him down because, yeah, I saw that. I mean, he got – it was the weirdest thing because he got 100 it's, – look, it's, I know 15 is, is – there's lots of bunkers, but basically it's 150 yards. It's straight yeah. ahead par three. It's 730 in the morning. Um, it's an eight, a nine, a wedge. It's something. And, you know, you got guys talking to their caddies and their coaches and they're going back and forth. And I'm just looking at like, guys, just hit, hit the damn thing. And this guy does. He just literally just like, all right, well, I got to I got to get on a call later. So let's get this over. Yeah, with. it was awesome. Yeah. I got to take down the number three player in the world later. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, I got to go, just get to this playoff real quick. Yeah, I got this thing. I got a conference call. And oh, yeah, someone wants to play golf with me today. So let me get this done. <laughs> Um, yeah, you had, you know, the semifinal match must have been, um, you know, this, this semifinal match against Hitchner and that, that was, man, that match was kind of chewing me up because I'm like, I'm going to feel really good for one of these guys and I'm going to feel really bad for the other. And it could have been either one because just it, both very, very similar personalities and very similar, just like. Yeah, just good dudes, and I'm like, oh shit, someone's going home after this, and this is the match. This is the match you don't want to lose. Um, yeah, you can lose the round of 16 and 32, and say, okay, had a, had a nice run, but if you get if you get this far, you got to win this one because this is what gets you the the Masters. This is what gets you the U.S. Open and and the chance to to win the Havemeyer Trophy. Um, this match ends on 16. Uh, away from the, uh, you know, more of the raucous energy of the Minetti Bennett match. Um, you know, really just a small handful of people were there. I was lucky to be one of them. And it's really this, this great match. Um, and it seems that that's the moment where it kind of hit you really hard. Like, Oh, I just did this. And of course, what, is, what do you need at that moment? You need TV cameras to be around and someone trying to interview you. Um, <laughs> got a nice hug with your mom and just kind of realizing what you did. I think there's a lot of the Georgia Southern family and, and friends were there as well. Is, is that the highlight of the, of the week for you? That moment there? I would say so. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. Like you said, I mean, it's the match that you just want so bad and you don't want to think about why, but you just know it's there. And um, yeah, you just, I think that was, that was the most nervous day for me uh, that morning and afternoon, really, because we didn't play until four o'clock. We had that big rain delay and you're just sitting around all day thinking about the match, thinking about the crowds, thinking about what's going to happen, thinking about what, what comes with the win and what, what you miss out on and what the loss. And um, I think, yeah, just having that match end on 16 green the way it did and just being, be, be, being so emotional for me and my family, my friends, my teammates, uh, that's what I'll remember the most about that week is just really the, the 30 to 45 minutes we spent just not wanting to leave 16 green after the match yeah. was over and the interviews were done. Yeah, that uh, that was a really special. I was glad I was there for that moment. That was really, really cool. And and then, you know, you, you get on camera and basically lose it and then also tell uh, kind of an tell the the story of the ball marker which has been told many times and, and has been in many articles but you're going to probably be telling that story for quite some time so might as well tell one more here um very special ball marker and it's it's lost yeah so this ball marker uh, is made by jeffrey jenkins he's uh he's a big supporter of georgia southern golf and a good friend of ours and uh he got his ball marker made for me a couple years ago that has Georgia Southern on one side and then a bunch of stuff from my dad on the other side. So I've used it for a long time now. It's never really been a superstition, I would say, but I have, have used it way more often than not. And uh, I had used it in every match that week at the AM. And just I had to I had to use it. I had to keep using it. So I, I knew where it was the entire morning, afternoon. I had it in my pocket when I started warming up. We go through the rain delay. I come back out, warm up again, get to the first tee, trying to get all my stuff together. And I can't find the ball marker. Uh, I, I, I thought I had it in my right pocket before uh, before the rain delay. So I'm just like checking my right pocket. 
I check my left pocket. There's absolutely nothing in my left pocket. And there's a couple tees and like my ball in my right pocket. I'm, I've basically turned out my pockets looking for this thing, turned out my golf bag on the first tee and I uh, have to use this what uh, ball marker from the Western and Exmoor Country Club and just use that the whole day. And I uh, was super rattled for the first couple holes because I just didn't have the ball marker I wanted to use. Yeah. And um, kind of forgot about it for the middle of the round. And then on 15, I hit a nine iron in there. I was three up with four to go. I hit first, I hit it to like four or five feet. And Derek hits it to like 30 feet. He putts first, runs a little by. And uh, I think he putted before me, made the comebacker. And so I'm like reading my putt and I look down in my left pocket and I see the outline of this ball marker. And it's a very unique outline. So I know like for a fact it's that ball marker. And I'm like, what on earth? Like, what are the, ch- like, what, what is happening right, right. now? And uh, so I kind of like acknowledge it for a second. And then like, I got to come back to earth and hit this putt. And uh, I, I thought for a second, I was like, I need to re- remark this and like, and putt it after I remark it with, that ball marker and i didn't do it for some reason i missed that putt to close him out so i'm three up with three to go um i've got like this 35 40 footer on 16 and decide to use that ball marker and i I two putt and he hits a great putt from 12 feet that just slides by and i won the match and uh, as that was it and smiley interviewed me and I, i had no intention of like telling that story i mean i and he he pointed out the rainbow like mid interview and it just like came into my head. I was like, this is insane. Like this whole thing is insane. I'm going to tell the story. Like, let me just, let me just tell the story. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's it's something I'll never understand. Okay. So I was going to ask now that you've stepped away from it, maybe because I mean at that moment, of course, but there's still no explanation for how that thing got in your pocket again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying. Spec- yeah, I'm not trying to take yeah. anything off it, but I've like no, 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 yeah. yeah. Basically, the way I look at it, I mean, so I lost my dad in 2019, and I, I kind of had this list of of like signs that that stuff I thought were signs from him or like God or any higher power, and I just keep this list um, in my phone of like these signs I see. It's probably a list of like 30, 40 things. So I've always kind of had this this speculation that that this is all not coincidence. Like, wow. Um, I mean, there's a lot of. I, I think a lot of people believe that they have like guardian angels, and uh, I I would call myself one of those people. I mean, I seriously think. I mean, I think everybody has someone out there looking out for them, and uh, I, I really just chalk it up to that and. I mean, maybe maybe I just didn't check my pocket good enough, but it's a pretty big ball marker, and there was nothing else in my left pocket, and I put my entire hand in there and did not feel it multiple times. So, I mean, everybody's got their own way of thinking about stuff, but uh, that's that's kind of how I, I think about it, is that there was uh, definitely a little bit of coincidence there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very cool that you kind of keep that list. That's uh, yeah. That's interesting. You can also look at it in a way where maybe your uh, guardian angel was was preventing you from knowing that it was there for a while, because then it would yeah. kind of settle you down later on. I don't know. Maybe I mean, there's just there's no way to know. It's just it's just however you feel about it is kind of, I mean, what how you answer the question, yeah. but um, yeah, who knows, man? I mean, it could be anything, but I, I like to believe that uh, I got somebody looking for me looking out for me i'm sure well you, you do and i'm sure all, all of us do so um wow you, you win semis you know what's coming for you regardless or you know what's going to come come to you regardless of what happens in the finals how'd you sleep the night before you have obviously family and friends in town it seems like at that moment you're like okay i can breathe a little bit i mean i know tomorrow's a really long and a really big day but I'm here. I'm I'm one of the two guys. Was that kind of the way you were looking at it, or was it a rough night for you? Um, I would say so. I'll I'll get to, I'll get to that. But the night before the semis, I slept awful. Woke up super early. Was oh, so yeah. nervous. I mean, so and then to get out there and play really well in front of a huge crowd and knowing what what came with the win, I think that's it. Wasn't so much the win. 
itself that settled me down is just the confidence I took from how I handled the moment, I would say, that kind of settled me down the night going into the final round. And I, I definitely slept a lot better that night than I did the night before the semis. But, I mean, I still – I mean, it's, it's funny because you grow up and everybody always talks about the semifinal match of the AM. Like, I can remember a specific conversation me and my teammates had a couple of years ago. I remember one of them saying, uh, like, oh, I'd be way more nervous uh, for the semifinal match than – than the final match and that's everybody kind of thinks about it that way and it almost feels like when you're talking about that it doesn't matter what happens in the final so i kind of had to trick myself out of that mindset into like uh i, I want to win the usm like i I'm, I'm gonna regret getting complacent overnight with with right. what just happened if, if if i don't try and flip the switch so i i was able to flip that switch and i wanted to win that match so bad because i mean i wanted to i wanted my name on that trophy i wanted I mean, I just wanted to have that forever. And, yeah, I'd, I'd say I did a great job flipping the switch. I didn't reminisce on what happened the day before. I just tried to turn the page and um, and, and just attack that, that final match. And I, I, I did. I, I don't think I left anything out there. I just, I mean, one shot here or there. I mean, it's such a long day. You can you can look at 13. That oh, yeah. You could look at the second, this the third hole in the morning. I mean, it's all the same. Um, but I, I fought so hard that final match and I have no regrets. When did you, um, so one of the funnier moments that I captured the entire week, believe it or not, was, uh, the first, so I'm not sure if you've seen this on Instagram, but the first tee of the continuation, your Sam gets announced, nice round of applause. And then you get announced, the crowd goes nuts. And there's this guy in the background outside the ropes that as soon as they start yelling after you get announced, he gets visibly shook up and I like, oh, okay. So, and I, here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't even see it. And I'm the one that posted on the account. I just, I was basically looking at the president, uh, Stu Francis, and I, I didn't notice it until someone pointed out to me when this is not the first time I think you realized that you were, the crowd was really behind you. Do you remember when this all started where you kind of got a sense of like, man, there's a lot of people pulling for me here. Yeah, I, I think it started a lot earlier than a lot of people think. So my round of 16 match was against Nathan Franks. And um, there was there was a decent crowd most of the day, but we were like the last match on the course for like our last three or four holes. And everybody just kind of flocked over to watch our match. And um, I think it started on, uh, this is my opinion, uh, on 17, we were uh, all square and he was on the green in two, and I was laying two in the rough, like 70 yards away. And, um, I, I mean, from the sideline, it probably looked like I mean, the hole was over. Right. And I was making par at best. He was two punch for birdie. He was going to steal the match. And uh, it probably my best shot of the week. I hit this little, this little shut face 60, landed way short of the green, and, like, out to the front edge and checked really hard to, like, a foot. And, um Nathan putted first from like 40 or 50 feet and uh, ran it by like three or four feet. He made that. And I had like a foot to have the hole and um, it wasn't conceded. And so I knocked it in and we're walking to the next hole. And like, I think a lot of people kind of like felt like some, some like weird vibe and animosity, like over the uh, non-conceded putt. And there was like a ton of comments, like, it was getting, it was really late in the day. A lot of people had a lot to drink. It was getting really yes. rowdy and, uh, people were just like screaming and yelling and like just saying whatever came to their mind. And like, it felt like everybody was kind of rooting me on. And so I think that's where it started. It's just like, there was probably a hundred people in that moment. And maybe just like their, their friends came up the next day and was watching my match or whatever it might be. But I think it started there. And I think, I don't know. It word just grew. Just, I just kind of became this underdog chip on my shoulder and people just kind of attached themselves to the, to that story. And uh, I'm so grateful they did because it, it kind of pushed me to the final and through the final to that last hole. I mean, to, to kind of come back in that match, it was going to be pretty hard to do without getting the crowd involved. And um, it was so cool. Just there's so many people out there that I made friends with throughout the week that were supporting me and they, they became such they became close with like my family and friends who were out there. And there's just like a huge pack of people that were just like 
cheering really hard and uh it was it was so so cool you know it was really cool out there you know i was at i was at the usam in 2020 band of dunes there's no crowds and then you know last year at oakmont i think no disrespect to Pyatt and greaser and Vic and Steelman and everyone that was kind of there at the end. But I think a lot of people were out there because it's Oakmont and they wanted yeah. to see some play, but they also wanted to see the course. And I really got that vibe that the crowd that was there, they were completely into the, that championship match. And, you know, you're three down after 18. I think a lot of us in the media center were thinking, okay, for this thing to get close, you know, um, you know, car where like, you know, Ben needs to chip away at a couple of these early holes before the, the really tough stretch of like five to 12. Yeah. And then instead you lose 2021, you're five down with 15 to play. How do you chip away at that? Like, was that a conversation you had with, with Will and you're like, all right, here's, you know, how, how do you go about climbing that mountain? Yeah. So once I got to five down, we kept talking about how Tiger was five down with like 12 to play and one of his USAM wins. Oh, Tiger won the USAM? <laughs> I think a couple times, man. Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> uh, that, that was good. So um, we started talking about that, and I started thinking to myself, like, I needed to uh, just make something happen, and I really just wanted to hear the crowd, like, get really loud. Yeah. And, uh, it kind of happened on five and six, making that putt from off the green and then chipping in on the next hole. And I mean, I think for me and probably a lot of other people that just like really got me going and just made, made me feel like, like I may not be playing that great, but like, I'm just going to fight my way to the end and kind of just chip away and just see, see what can happen if I just keep fighting and keep, keep getting them involved in the match and, um, so it wasn't really much that we talked about. It was just uh, just being lucky and having that 70-footer off the green, find the hole, and just just getting that adrenaline rush that carried me the rest of the way along with that chipping on the next hole. I was uh, right there uh, about about 30 yards behind you, I think, as you are over that chip, and I was talking to a, a friend of mine that was standing next to me. I said, he's going to chip this in. <laughs> and, I, and I think we have that on camera with the audio. I have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure I have that somewhere. I was like, he's going to chip this in. It's funny you said that because I was like, I remember taking my practice swings for that chip. Now, this is this is not like a, I don't want anybody, I think it's like a cocky or even confident comment, but it was just like a feeling I got that it was going to go in. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, never, I never really think that, but just it was just like the moment, it's just like, God, it'd be so cool if I made this. Like after what just happened on the last hole, and it was tracking, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's gonna go in!" And uh, it dropped, and it, I mean, the place went absolutely insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just got—I mean, any in, in any moment like that, I just get like these insane chills, and um, yeah. it's just like I don't know. It's just something you want to like feel forever, and it's such a cool feeling, and it just helps you kind of just keep going. I did that. I got one, but not to, not to one up you. You're going to, well, I can one up you. You're going to play in the masters. You'll get over this, but I actually had that same feeling on a par three and I had a nine iron in my hand. It's over water pins cut short. I'm like, all right, if I just throw it back and spin it in, that's a hole in one. That's exactly what I did. I did. <laughs> I did that on a hole in one. Oh my God. Oh yeah. That's awesome. I didn't tell, I didn't tell the people I was playing with for a while, but I was like, <laughs> cause I don't want to come I was like, all right. Don't well, cross that guy. <laughs> I was like, well, well, I just was that guy that, uh, at that moment. But, uh, <laughs> That's so awesome. Yep, that actually happened. Um, yeah, so that that match or that that stretch, and one of the coolest things I ever saw, you make the birdie on 17, which is the 35th hole, and then the crowd starts running down the 18th fairway to get yeah. into position. That, to me, was bonkers. I'm like, yeah. this is an amateur tournament. Most of the people here did not know Sam Bennett and Ben Carr like two days yeah. ago. Yeah. And now they're following this as if it's like, you know, Tiger and Phil or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. When you said that, it made me think like, um, I, cause I do think about that a lot. And a lot of people that I'm close with talk about how much fun it was like running to 18 green. Yeah. And, uh, it just makes me wish that like in that moment, I would have looked around a little more and just, cause it's not something you really want to do. You want to stay locked in and kind of oh, yeah. just move on to the next tee. But looking back on it, I mean, knowing 
the outcome now. I wish I could have just like looked around or like taken a video, like a mental, just had that mental image forever because it's just, I don't know. It's so cool. And I just didn't really look around as much as I probably should have just because I was so focused on winning that final hole. Well, and, if, if but it's so cool to hear people talk about it because oh. I mean, I wish I was running with them. I mean, that sounds even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're cut. Well, here's the other thing. If you don't have blinders on, you never get to the 17th hole. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's, that's so, a huge part someone's got to drive the car. I mean, we can, we can exactly. have a little fun on the outside, but someone's got to be in charge. And you know, that was you. And obviously that was, was, uh, that was you and that was Sam. And just, it was, an it was an incredible show that you really put on for the world of golf. Um, Obviously, you know, you come up short, but if there is a match to lose in in amateur golf, I think I said the same thing to Greaser's parents last year at Oakmont. I said, this is going to sting a little bit, but if there's ever a thing you want to lose and be a runner-up at, this is the one <laughs> you do it because you'll be playing in the Masters next year. You'll be playing in the U.S. Open next year. This opens up a lot of opportunities and doors for you. Um, I'm guessing though now you're probably very thankful though that you don't have that to look forward to immediately because you have college golf. All right. Yeah, I mean it is it's funny cuz after the AM everybody all anyone could talk about was like the exemptions. Yeah. And it was it just felt like I was about to play the Masters the next week. It's like it's like every time somebody talks about it I was like I had to remind myself it's 8 months away. Yeah. And I'm glad it is because I mean, I absolutely love college golf. I absolutely love my teammates, my coaches, this university, and that's what I wanted to focus on now. And I mean, for the next for the next really ten months until the NCAAs. And um, yeah, I mean, we had a great start at Notre Dame, like we talked about earlier, and then won the Gopher. And we've just got so much uh, not only young talent, but a, a great core of. Uh, older guys, the guys I live with, Mason Williams, Wilson Andrus, and Colin Bowles. I mean, we just have a really deep team. And uh, my buddy Wilson just picked up his first individual one at the Gopher, yeah. which was, I mean, so as, cool to see. As, because, the, as the five man on the team, I'm, I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, that, that's deep, baby. That's And, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to see because he works so hard. He's probably the hardest worker I know. I mean, he's an engineering major. He's never made anything but a 4.0. Oh, and, well, I don't, and I don't need he, to talk to this guy. Yeah, and he works his butt off in the weight room on the golf course. And to see it kind of uh, come to fruition for him was really cool. And um, now we got Wake Forest event and East Tennessee's event left in the fall. So we're just focusing on, on, focusing on getting better every day and just seeing if we could uh, continue doing what we've been doing. Well, the thing I really like too about, I mean, as a supporter and fan and promoter, I guess, of amateur and collegiate golf, I like seeing a variety of different schools rise to the top where it's not just an Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or, or Vanderbilt. You know, I want to see, because I think that also shows people that you, you can go to, you know, the, the kid that's going to start down a recruiting process at some point you know, is probably thinking, oh, I want to play for Oklahoma. Oh, I want to play for Wake or I want to play for Vandy. And, and those are the, my only options. Well, you know, Georgia Southern beat UNC by one shot and was only one shot behind Florida at Notre Dame. Now, again, a shot here, a shot there. Uh, I'm, the point is, is that you're on the same stage as Florida and North Carolina, two teams that are, you know, powerhouses. UNC was a preseason favorite or preseason number one ranked team, you're right there, right out of the gates. So it, it's obviously it's about your team, but it's also about people that are watching saying, oh, wait a minute, you can still compete at the highest level no matter what school you go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that, uh, I think a lot of the reason we, we have some success as a mid-major is just due to the culture that Coach Collins has built and kind of the brand that he and a lot of uh, – past players have created for us and allowed us to have an awesome facility and some access to some really cool courses. And I think a lot of people are starting to see, like you said, that you don't have to play at uh, all the blue bloods to, you know, have, have success as a team or individually. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a common, common notion among a lot of junior golfers is that you can't, you can't do anything cool and you can't have all this team success at, 
at a, at a non SEC ACC Big Twelve school, Big Ten, and um, I think that's that motivates. I know it motivates myself and my team and our coaching staff, and hopefully a lot of other mid major programs to uh, have the success and kind of get get to their level and uh, compete for national championships. I think I think that's the goal for that should be the goal for every team in the country, and there's there's no reason that we can't do it. You're you're a fifth year senior. Looking at the way the the landscape is of college golf, you have transfer portals. You see a lot of guys in that fourth and fifth year move to a different school that maybe will give them a better opportunity for PGA Tour U ranking points or a better opportunity to make a national championship. Is the culture at Georgia Southern the primary reason that you think that that you have some? You have a couple different fifth year seniors, but is it the culture that's kept this team together? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. I would say uh, it's, it's. I think it's good you ask that because um, we hear a lot of time from other programs and uh, just friends of ours that play on other teams that they're very jealous of like the mainly the culture that we've created here and because they see how close we all are and how much we push each other and pull for each other and i just don't i don't think a lot of teams can say the same um and especially some of those bigger schools i mean i know for a fact that there's animosity at a lot of these big schools and i think that's because a lot of their players are so individually minded and uh coach collins has taught us since since we were 18 that that's not how you how you win as a team especially uh at at a mid-major because you have to really just all come together and, and create something special to, to make a run at NCAAs and, and to play the golf we played the last couple of weeks and to hopefully continue playing it. I mean, a lot of that is, is from the culture side of it. And uh, I just, I just think that uh, that's, that's why a lot of us wanted to stay for a fifth year. And because we just genuinely love being at this school, at this town, playing for this program, and uh, I just, I just don't, I just, I just couldn't see myself really playing anywhere else. I think I'd be super uncomfortable, and I would miss a lot of what we have here. You'd probably miss a lot of Georgia Southern volleyball games too, right? <laughs> yes, I would miss a ton of volleyball games. Yeah, uh, yeah my girlfriend's a, a volleyball player for the school, and they're also a nice start this season, and uh, they have a great program, similar culture to ours, and it's, it's. It's cool to uh, kind of all support each other, uh, volleyball and golf. I gotta, sure. I gotta figure out what this connection is between men's golf and women's volleyball, because you, you and your girlfriend are not the first. I, I don't know why we're going down this rabbit hole, but uh, Frankie Zappin from Florida Gulf Coast, his girlfriend is, right. is a volleyball player. Yeah, I've actually played with a couple of guys that have said the same thing about their them and their girlfriends. So there's definitely something there. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to get my teammates. Uh, to see the light. Oh, oh, you're trying to. Oh, you're you're doing the Lord's work. All right. Well, if you pull right. out, you, if you get something set for Baker, then you really are doing the Lord's. Work. I mean, that's. No, he's he's got a long time girlfriend. Oh, he's okay. A good all right. All right. Well. <laughs> well, Ben, uh, it was great that whole week at at Ridgewood. I know that's gonna gonna be etched in your memories forever, and you still have. A lot of great uh, experiences on your way uh, are on the way to you, obviously, this season uh, at Georgia Southern and then that uh, tournament down the road in Augusta and then going to go out to um, to L.A. for the U.S. Open. So a lot on your plate. I'm sure we're going to talk many times before any of that happens. But uh, congrats on a great week. Uh, congrats on a great start to your season. And, uh, yes, yes, you're you're finally here at the back of the range, and we'll do it again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for having me, Ben, and thanks for everything you're doing for Amateur Golf. Seriously, shining a pretty cool spotlight on the game. And there you have it. Special thanks to Ben Carr for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. And we'll see you next time here at the back of the range.